You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I cannot wait to see my Twitter mentions after this. Uh, I, I guess this is why you haven't been on the show for half a decade. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Greg Cupney, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Kura and... BB Ken Ryan Ballantyne. Uh, I feel like it's been what five years since you've done the full show. It's it's been a long time, and you know I'm glad that you were able to edit the script and take out Joe Balineski, um, <laughs> and that I could be a backup for Joe. That somehow in five years you haven't found time to get me on the show, but you're but Joe. Joe was the guy that was going to host. You weren't supposed I, to find I, that out. <laughs> he tweeted it. It's not my fault. He put it up on Twitter. Well, uh, I, if you I tweet enough, I I six <laughs> if you if you tweet enough, let it be known that anybody. I guess Twitter's a powerful medium, and I just get so annoyed by him that it's like, okay, come on the show, and then he gets the invite. And flakes out. And says no. And says no. That yeah. that's that I mean, you know, like that's a prom date who's done a lot of inner thigh rubbing only to send you home. <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's just spent the whole car ride home on that inner thigh. And then he's like, All right, well, we'll see you at school tomorrow. Have a good no, night. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful analogy. <laughs> this episode of Two and Out is brought to you by the Well Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton <laughs> Community Foundation. Yeah, I had to go into the sponsor right after that. It's <laughs> perfect. perfect. Well Endowed, too. Yes. Uh, <laughs> hosted and produced by Andrew Paul and Lisa Pruden. It explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds, and the podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. Their latest episode, episode 128, they had Ahmed Ali, also known as Nomadic, on the show. He was... or. He was in an ESL class, and that teacher used Tupac to teach English that helped uh, the Somali-Canadian poet, writer, actor, musician, and activist find his voice in his new country. That is a cool episode. Check that out and subscribe to the show at thewellendowedpodcast.com. In the huddle with Kura and Ty on the Two and Out Podcast. 
All right, here we are. Week week 11, I think. Uh, I, I always lose track, but there are four more CFL games this week. Uh, the, the Ottawa Red Blacks are on by, and we start with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 11-point favorites over the Montreal Alouettes, over-under set at 48-and-a-half. Can, can we call this the Air Horn Bowl? I don't think there's been this much talk about a Winnipeg-Montreal game ever. I gotta, I gotta really credit the Montreal Alouettes social media team uh, for the tweet that said, <laughs> "If you have a problem with the horn, respond to this tweet." And they set the settings that only people they mentioned were allowed to reply. I think that is as good a tweet. Like for Gary Stern's Twitter account and anyone who follows Gary Stern, the level of sophistication between the owner. And the difference between him and his team of social media people uh, is vast. Um, They were able to craft a perfect tweet, send it out and troll the fan base. Um, Air horns are annoying. I don't like watching games where we've got somebody with an annoying noisemaker by the mic. Um, But I'm still rooting for the Owls this week. I'm rooting for the Alouettes. Not because of Gary Stern and his bravado and somehow an owner of a team encapsulating my entire oeuvre of how to cheer for your team and the expectations of it. Not just because um, they've crafted this horn tweet, which is great, and really like just trolled the entire CFL uh, alongside it, but because they can prevent Winnipeg from becoming the first team to 400 and give Calgary that shot on Saturday. Both teams stuck at 399 wins, first one to 400. There's nobody's had 400 home wins, no franchises. No matter how many centuries the Saskatchewan Roughriders have been a team, they don't have 400 home wins. I don't even know if they have 400 wins at all. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So rough in the the rectangle. Is this like the 72 Miami Dolphins where I don't know how many surviving members of the 1948 Calgary Stampeders are still around. But if the the undefeated season goes down the toilet, uh, do the 48 Stampeders or anybody related to that team crack champagne and have a nice little party? (laughs) Well, I think I think that the CFL Horseman podcast will Um, on behalf of the members of the 48 team as the unofficial uh, podcast of the Calgary Stampeders. And I say that very literally because they do have an official podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> the official podcast of the Stampeders. Uh, we will absolutely crack champagne when the Winnipeg Blue Bombers lose. And we <laughs> hope that it's this week because then again, Calgary will have a shot at being the first team to 400. Um, and uh, isn't yeah. that how the Bombers are going to lose? They're not going to lose to the Lions or the Stampeders or a team that you maybe thought, yeah, they've got a shot. They're going to lose to a team. They're going to lose to Ottawa. Yeah, exactly. It's it's going to be Ottawa. It's going to be Montreal. It's going to be a team that has no business being in there and just somehow like Caleros will throw (laughs) a pick six and there will be a return touchdown or something and that will be enough. You know, like two two oddball touchdowns that you never get otherwise um, are going to be what is the difference 
and cost Winnipeg a victory. And everyone will go, man, we like, look at the yards. It was 600 to 200, but he gave up those fumbles. And, you know, like he fumbled the ball twice and once was a field goal and once went for a touchdown, something. It will take an absolute miscue for Ottawa to, or for Winnipeg to lose that game, but they will eventually, or they stop caring at the end of the season. You know, they're, they're, Calgary's fallen into that trap a, a yeah, dozen yeah. times. You know, you're, oh, we're 14 and one, and they finish the season 15 and three because they just don't care anymore. They just want to stay healthy. You know, uh, Calgary's got, I think, four 15 and three seasons on the books, one 15, two and one season on the books. I mean, and they were, they lost games late in those seasons. They were losing games in, in kind of that not week 19, week 20 because it was just about staying healthy for the playoffs. I totally understand that, but I feel like once you get to 13, 14, that has to be your motive, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Like, it's history. I feel like it has to, but you don't want to be the Patriots either, right? The Patriots went, what was it? Is it 16 and Doe? Is what they call it because they went they went undefeated in the regular season and lost the Super Bowl, right? They they put a push on going undefeated and they made it a point to go undefeated and then their starters were tired and they lost the Super Bowl. Yeah, you maybe. know they, they made their way through. So maybe there's a lesson there too, right? When the Stampeders went undefeated, it was 12 games. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't. You know, it wasn't an 18-game season. You know, they are still the only undefeated team to win the Great Cup, but it was at 12 games. So, you know, there's 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 kind of a, a thought there that it's not quite the same process as it is now. And would you rather have, if you're the Bombers coaching staff, an 18-0 and regular season or a three-peat? Of course. Right? You know, you, you got to get, uh, uh, what's his name? Pat Riley, his money. Yeah. Of co- I mean, of course. <laughs> my- that's, that's a deep cut. That's a deep cut sports reference. So if you're listening to this show and you understand why Pat Riley would get paid if the Bombers win a three-peat, congratulations. Um, and if you don't, go down a Google rabbit hole. I encourage you to. You can learn all kinds of things. <laughs> the, the Owls, I mean, it goes without saying, they're in tough uh, Chandler Worthy's not playing. Geno Lewis has been limited in practice. And it feels like if you stop Geno, which I don't know if it's possible with the way the uh, rules are, you know, slanted in the offensive favor, the guy's a great receiver. But he said 30 targets in the last two games. If you can limit him, I think you're going to limit the Limit the Alouettes. Trevor Harris dealing with a bad back. So uh, Dominic Davis was taking some reps at practice this week. I think Harris will still start. But all signs point to this one being the Bombers just walking all over Montreal. And I hope their fans have more than a few air horns at IG Field. It'll be cranked up. But it'll still be annoying. The idea that you want to be just more annoying <laughs> when you're in the in the stadium, like don't do this, don't be that way. Come out and say we don't need air horns. We win games. Like that's the you know I, I've I've said this all the time about when I go to other stadiums and they have first down chance. I'm like we don't have first down chance in Calgary because first down is the minimum expectation. There's no like a, there's no call and response because that's not success. 
First down is not success. Scores are success. So don't go out and out the Montreal fans by pointing a bunch of air horns <laughs> and making the game unwatchable. Like I, you know, I don't know if anybody will ever beat Rider Nation in the annoying factor, though. No, no, I mean that's true. We all know that. <laughs> I, we all we've all come to accept that like Ryder fans are the Canucks fans of the of the CFL. <laughs> nothing nothing that really to brag deep. about. That nothing to brag deep. about and, and still yet all of this unearned confidence. <laughs> Uh, Greg Ellingson back practicing with the Bombers the first time since the middle of July. So, look, the Bombers do have an addition as well. And then they're at home. They've got nine games left. They still have three bye weeks. And they have six home games. I think that undefeated is actually in sight for this team, considering the ways that they've won games this year. We'll see what happens Thursday night in Winnipeg. All right, Hamilton home to Toronto after the Argos beat the Ticats last week. I think the fireworks on Twitter have been better than the fireworks on the field last week in Toronto. I don't know if this is a work. I, I, <laughs> I We had Nick Lewis on the podcast recently, and he said he, they basically – made a storyline feud between he and Tad Cornegay once upon a time when he was in Saskatchewan. I don't know if this is a work between the Podsky Wee Wee boys and the Argo fans or whatever, but it's definitely been entertaining. <laughs> I mean, if there's one thing we know Josh can do, it's cut a promo. Oh, that guy, <laughs> that guy will come at you and he'll come at you all day and he'll give everything. And add to that, his team sucks right now. And so <laughs> he's got like, it's not just like, oh, Josh is cutting a promo. It's Josh is like throwing a pipe bomb down every week now. You can tell he's disenfranchised. You can tell he's angry. You can tell there's just a, so much pent-up resentment about how this season is going for him right now that he's unleashing that all on Argo fans. I mean, I credit to Laura uh, for, for saying that, are they pumping in crowd noise and just firing that grenade? Yeah, that's throwing the, the grenade and walking away. Just Yeah, and just casually, and just casually going, I guess we'll see what happens from here. <laughs> And I mean, it's been fun. And and the the thing is, I mean, some people are starting to get into hurt feelings territory, yeah. and they're starting to get. It seems like legitimately angry about this. It does. And it's a reminder that like this is still sports. Like it's just I sports. Like if I had to compare you to a wrestler and a heel, it would probably be the Nature Boy Ric Flair. I mean, the guy. Oh. 16-time oh. world champion, the Stampeders, always a good team. But as far as Josh goes, like it's getting into like happy Corbin territory. You know, 23 <laughs> years without a title, and the team just keeps losing and losing and losing and going into the basement. But he's still out there finding a way to piss you off. Yeah, happy, happy Corbin might be a stretch. Sad <laughs> Corbin. I think we need to go back to sad. I, I, I was weird. a fan of that, by the way. <laughs> I mean, a great angle, yeah. great angle, way to make something out of nothing. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think it, it's 
Yeah, when when you look at at what Josh is is doing, I mean, he's going for it. And I mean, why not? Why not? You know, all of these hate tweets that he's getting, that's engagement. Whether or not people want to believe it, and I saw somebody saying today, "Oh, if this is your way of cheap engagement," he's like, "I don't care about your <laughs> engagement stat." Like, but Podsky Wee's been all over my feed. Yeah, everybody yeah. knows about the show now. Everybody's aware of the show. Everybody's aware of the account. I, if Toronto wins this week, watch out! Like, the, his mentions are going to go crazy. But in the meantime. That's all those people who see his account, who click on it and go, oh, I wonder what this is. I wonder where, where this guy comes from. Let me, let me see this that I might not have seen before. You know, it's, it's not, not the worst thing. So I don't know if he's working or not. I believe it both ways. You know, I think he might be like, it's just as legitimate to me either way. Um, and I don't think he changes his behavior either no, way. If no. he's legitimately pissed. Or if he's in the work, I think both of those guys are the same. I think that's, you know, Josh funnels his anger into his work. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I just go for it. Go for it. This is what we want. Four games in five weeks. Yes, please. Yes, please. Give me Edmonton four times in five weeks. Not just because that would be four wins, but also because let me get, a, like, renew that rivalry. Right now it's hard to to root against Edmonton because they suck so bad. It's like, you know, it's watching it's watching the kid with one leg in a race. You can't laugh at him because he's going slower than everybody else. You just kind of feel for him and hope that he can get like, hey man, I just want you to get to the end of this thing. Which sounds strange about saying that about a Chris Jones led team. Like the the fact that he's been able to garner sympathy. <laughs> That feels good. More than anything else, Chris Jones sucking feels incredible. It's just like, this is, this is everything I want. I want, I hope the best for, for Victor Kui. I hope the best for the Elks organization that they're able to restore their ticket base and get people in the building and make money and be that powerhouse force that they always have been and continue losing while that moron stands on the sideline wondering what's happening as this supposed defensive guru is getting lit up for 50 points a week. It feels phenomenal, phenomenal to see this guy get his comeuppance. I mean, fortunately, the Elks are just one prom king call away from him leaving them for another job. So at that point, like, you know, are you really concerned about it? No. Is it fun to watch him dumpster fire his way, just cutting players every week, signing guys every week, <laughs> a litany of guys on bicycles cycling around the stadium after every practice because they might get their shot? I mean, Justin Renfro tweeted and said, I can play O-line better than that. And they signed him. They signed him because he tweeted that he was better than their O-line. What is happening in Edmonton? Speaking of... I I cannot wait to see my Twitter mentions after this. Uh, I I guess this is why you haven't been on the show for half a decade. (laughs) (laughs) Look, you were nominated for an award this year, and you're like, we need to prove it. We need to bring Ryan back. (laughs) Put together a... Just a spectacular one. Hey, let's see. We've been we finished the second 
two years in a row, always the bridesmaid. So we'll see what happens in the Canadian Podcast Awards <laughs> this year. <laughs> well, and that's the fascinating thing about the Argos and Ticats. We still got three rounds to go, possibly yeah. four with the playoffs again. So <laughs> it's going to be great. Well, I don't know. I, I no. I well, I, you know. Well, maybe in the playoffs. I mean, they're not going to play each other in the first round, right? No, they can't I, play each other in the first round. Let's um, look at the and, standings. Uh, the, and will the, one of those teams beat them? Beat the Western representative? Probably not. <laughs> the Tie Cats are two and six. Uh, in, oh. in position to host the East semifinal as the Bombers have the same amount of wins as the entire East division. <laughs> the Elks are in line to host the East semifinal. Like, that's how bad. The, uh, the, the team that we just described as an absolute disaster is still better than most of the Eastern teams. Yeah, if it was a... Uh, uh, if it was within the rules, there could be two West crossovers. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that's what it should just be. They should just have the West Division teams play and and appreciate and just send participation awards to the Eastern teams for the season and say, we're canceling all of your playoffs in a, in an effort to motivate you to do better. I just had an idea. So I've always thought you got to keep it the way it is because if we go a couple seasons with no playoff games in the East, that wouldn't be good. But Edmonton and Saskatchewan, if things keep going the way they've gone, they haven't earned the right to have a playoff game in the West. So do Edmonton, Saskatchewan in Hamilton (laughs) as the East semifinal. Do a straight road game. Just a straight up road game. I mean, give me, it's just, it's, look, I want an all West Grey Cup. I want one badly. I want Calgary versus Regina in the Grey Cup. That, I mean, that'd be that, awesome. Like, I mean, I'm touching the bottom of my desk right now just thinking about <laughs> I, the idea that, like, we could get an all West Grey Cup would be fantastic. In Regina, are you kidding me? The Regina returning home as the conquering heroes of the Eastern Division? Oh, <laughs> come on. But what is it about the East? Everything. They always, well, at least Stop. this year, it's like, look at that. They've got the, the great free agents. At the beginning of the year, it sounds crazy now, but we thought that the stronger quarterbacks were in the East. Now you've got Nathan Rourke and all that going on. But it just seemed like the East was going to be very competitive, and they are amongst each other. But why is this seeming seemingly happening almost every year? Is it their facilities? Is it the, the – I have no clue why they just don't seem to compete or be as consistent as the Western teams. I want to say continuity. I want to say continuity is the answer to that. I mean, look at how long Craig Dickinson's been in Regina. Look at how long Dave Dickinson and the Huffnagel regime have been in Calgary, right? The coaching staff in, in Winnipeg, in yeah. now three years, three, four years old. The, the coaching staff in Winnipeg are, have been there for a long time. And in the East, they're firing their coaches every year. So you don't get the opportunity to build that organizational strength. You know, you don't get the 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 chance to create a culture. Yeah. I mean, Kahari Jones 
took over as an interim coach last year, didn't he? In 19, uh, Sherman got fired or quit or whatever. Right. So really, did Kari Jones even have a full 18-game non-COVID season? No. Gone. Right? Kari Jones, gone. Uh, Danny Machocha taking over again after never really doing anything as a head coach. So what's he going to do as a head coach now? You know, these teams just don't have any consistency. I mean, I guess you have Hamilton as consistency, but they've now, I think they're realizing that they're aging out of their window. Yeah. And yeah. it's too late. Like they're, they're a year too late to blow that up. Right. They're a year too late to blow that up. And I think they thought we could get one more year out of this team and this squad, but they're old and they're, they're being beaten up in the fourth quarter every week. And when is an old guy going to get beat up? Late in the game. When young, fresh legs are still able to get through 60 minutes, Hamilton's getting wiped out in the fourth quarter because they're old. So I, I think it's, it's. I mean, you know, I, I, Evans isn't old, but he's mistake prone. But around him, guys are old. Chris Van Zyl's on the six-game injured list. I mean, yeah. they, they just had Braylon Addison, the Achilles injury. They, and they've got young receivers on the six-game. Poppy White, Tyler Turnowski, Anthony Johnson. That receiving depth is getting tested now. That Their depth all over the place is getting tested. Yep. And when you look at the – and when you look at players that are, are untested, right, the, the rookies coming into yeah. the league, where are they going to sign? They're going to sign in Calgary. They're going to sign in Saskatchewan. They're going to sign in BC. They're going to sign in teams that in Winnipeg, in teams where there's they're winning, right? Because a lot of these American receivers, especially that are coming up into the CFL, I mean, they're they're not drafted, so it doesn't matter, right? They can they can if they're not neg listed, they can play wherever yeah. they like, right? So they're going to try out for the teams that are winning because winning teams mean good stats means a shot at the NFL, which is the ultimate goal for a lot of these guys when they come up. So they're going to try and go to the winning teams. And that's why winning teams stay winning and the bad teams stay bad. Do you want to go to a team that's one and eight? No, you're not going to sign at a team that's one and eight. If the team that's eight, no, is calling you, you'll be like, Oh no, I'm going (laughs) to, if it's all the same, I'm going to play yeah. for the team that's won two state championships. Thank you. You know, it, it's that's why the I think I think that's why the teams in the East are bad. Well, yeah, look at the now the receiver pipelines in Calgary and Winnipeg. Like uh, Dalton mm-hmm. Schoen comes in, he's already got seven touchdowns on the year. Um, as as far as Toronto goes in this game, there was some concern about Andrew Harris, but Wednesday practicing full, he left uh, last week late holding the wrist, but uh, it does look like the the defensive secondary in uh, in Toronto's a bit beat up. Shaq Richardson not playing or not practicing. Robertson Daniel not practicing. So that that's a bit rough for Calgary East, as we will call uh, the Argos here. But it does look like Matt Schiltz is expected to start at quarterback. Oh. I, I I've kind of liked what Hamilton has done working in both quarterbacks, but Schiltz has. He's had success running the ball. <laughs> now he's going to have to use his arm. And and that I mean, Schultz. I mean, I, 
Schultz is this guy that continually has a job and no one knows why. And then he's <laughs> like, he's that, you know, like when you, when you talk about the NFL, when they talk about these guys, these career backups and third stringers, you know, that just keep having jobs and you're like, why does this guy? And, and it's because like, he might be able to get you to the end of the game. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's not, this is not going to be good football, this football game. The, the intensity of the fans, the intensity of the rivalry might be something. But compared to what we saw on the field when Winnipeg and Calgary were playing or Winnipeg and BC were playing, we're not going to get that football this weekend. We're not. We're not. And I, uh, I we'll see if we get consistency from Toronto. Part, I want to pick well, Hamilton. <laughs> They're two point favorites, but can can Toronto have a good performance two weeks in a row? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's the problem. Is it? Is it? But is it like? <laughs> I'll take that two point line till the end of the third. Yeah, yeah. If you're yeah, picking like, the fourth, <laughs> if, if I'm if I'm live betting the game, I will take Hamilton minus two through 45 minutes. I'll still take Toronto to cover and win, but I'll take Hamilton minus two through three quarters. They've just said they're so bad in the fourth. Yeah, yeah. Over. Yeah. Ridiculous. All right, here we go. Uh, Saturday doubleheader in the West, just a few hours apart, both games. Calgary, home to the BC Lions. Now, the Lions are one-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under at 53, I mean, that seems like a pretty juicy <laughs> line to throw money down on the over. It's the tackle hunger game in Calgary. I, I do want to play a clip. Later this month, I'm going to have Glenn Suter on the show, a former defensive back, 51 career interceptions. I asked him, as a DB, how do you stop Nathan Rourke and the BC Lions? This was his answer. It's yeah, it's a great question. It's, you know, it's it's a great question in a way that I haven't been asked before because we've talked about Nathan a ton, obviously. Yeah, but, yeah. But how would I stop him? That's that's a great question because you know his the the challenge that I've seen right out of the gate here has been his accuracy is is through the roof. I mean, he's completing over eighty percent of his passes. His accuracy when a, a receiver is covered. And there's only one spot that he could put the football to give his receiver a chance, and he puts it in that exact spot, and sometimes on the run or whatever it may be. I, I have never seen a quarterback at this age and this level of experience, just nine starts now. Wow. To play with this sense of composure and poise, to play with this level of accuracy um, mental and physical preparation, his ability to process what the defense is, is giving him and get the ball out of his hands with a quick release with that type of accuracy. You know, the the Elks in his, in his last game tried to blitz him. He beat them there. They tried to drop off and rush three. He beat them there. You know, it was, you know, and I, hey, listen, the Elks are struggling. I get that. But I've never seen a kid 24 years old play at this level with this amount of poise. Uh, he is a special player, and I hope the fans realize it and, and come out and, and enjoy it. And and let's just talk about how great he is and not about his future and speculate what it might mean down the road. I, I let's, have, let's just not go down that hamster wheel. 
I just believe he's a fantastic athlete. He's worth the price of, of admission. I have never in my time in football, player or broadcaster, seen a young quarterback perform at that level at that age after just nine starts. Nobody. Not Ricky Ray, not Doug Flutie, not Danny McManus. You know, I, di- I didn't see or play against Warren Moon, thank goodness. <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, I've seen a lot of clips of him. This kid at 24, through the roof. Unbelievable. Yep. Rourke's poised, and now he's going to need to win a tough game against BC. Or yeah, against Calgary, sorry. We saw what happened against Winnipeg. Uh, Zach Kolaris, he he stepped up, had a great performance. Can Bo Mitchell do the same this week uh, as the Lions go to McMahon? Instinct, of course, being who I am, I'm going to say, of course Calgary's going to win this game. And that's what you were expecting me to say. Yes, yes. Um, it's going to be really close. I think if Calgary wins, they're going to need a hell of a performance from a lot of guys that – that are stepping into jobs. I mean, you know, you've got uh, McEwen went to the sixth game. You have uh, now Julian Goodjones uh, didn't practice for the second straight day. Uh, Kadeem Carey is limited. Um, the defensive backfield losing Trey Roberson for the season due to uh, a patella tendon surgery. Um, so you're going to be shuffling the defensive backfield again. Um, and Rourke, Rourke is not Rourke has been great and and I'm not taking anything away from what he's been doing in fact I think spectacular is even a better word for what he's been able to do however from what I've seen there are not a lot of not a lot of contested throws in that offense the the offensive scheme in BC is doing a phenomenal job of getting receivers and the receivers themselves are doing phenomenal job of getting into space. You know, it, it Rourke has been good, but there aren't a lot of, you know, from what I'm seeing, there are a lot of wide open completions, guys that are completely lost in the defense and, uh, or lost by the defense and they find themselves wide open. And I think if, you know, most, you know, you put Caleros in there, he's probably doing those same kind of numbers you put you give Bo that many open, wide open guys, he's probably doing similar numbers. So Rourke is great, and I think he's the MOP right now. If if I'm voting today, I'm voting for Rourke as MOP. But at the same time, I mean, like, you know, his his give credit to his receivers and his offensive coordinator for scheming guys open and then those guys getting open. Rourke has to make the throws, but his his offense is 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 humming and it's not just him he's got 21 21 touchdowns on the year eight passing touchdowns came against edmonton so <laughs> those have been uh, really big at you know uh, padding the stats so reminder edmonton's allowed 150 some odd points in three games to the lions <laughs> three games like I think, I think if you take out the Edmonton games, his stats are a little more reasonable. Well, they are. Uh, I mean, he had a great game against Toronto, four touchdowns, 436 yards. But if you look against his games against Ottawa, Winnipeg, and Hamilton, in each game, he had two interceptions. So the Edmonton games definitely 
yes. pad the stats a little bit. Yeah. And if there's one thing the Stampeders are, have been good at this season, it's picking off the ball. You know, they, they, they've had quite a few interceptions this year. Um, and so if Rourke leaves a throw up a little bit, um, you know, one of the defenders may just come down with it. You know, you look at Titus Wall, he's already got two touchdowns on the season, one an interception return, one a fumble return. Um, you know, you, you've got uh, Moxie who had that three interception performance against the Riders in the playoffs last year. So even though Roberson is down, there are a lot of guys on this Stampeder defense that can make plays. Um, not in, not even forgetting about Cameron Judge, who has a pair of interceptions. Jameer Thurman has an interception. So that kind of stuff over the middle isn't going to go uncontested. Um, it's going to be, I mean, this to me is the game of the week. I, I think this is this is obviously the premier game of the week, um, not just because it's got Calgary in it, but this game I think will go a long way towards determining who finishes second in the West and who's on the road in the West. Um you know, going, going in that direction, because if Calgary wins this game uh, and excuse me because of all the bye weeks, but I believe if Calgary wins this game, they move into a tie with BC in the standings and would take second place by virtue of the, of the head to head matchup. Yeah. Cause they would both be uh six and two if right. uh, Calgary does win this game, but the secondary is probably a, I, I think we talk a lot about how important it is for an offensive line to play together and build chemistry that way. It's the same with the back end. And, uh, of course, Calgary's got talent there. I mean, Jonathan Moxie's going to move over probably, and they've got some rookies there. Even though they let Raheem Wilson go, they've still got yeah. talent in the secondary, but they're probably likely going to be playing in different spots this week. Well, and it's it's interesting. I mean, Titus Walls played so well as a Sam that they moved Brandon Dozier, who was an all-star at that position last year. They moved him to safety. Yeah. That's yeah. how good Wall has been, that he he displaced Brandon Dozier, a longtime CFL vet who's now moved back to safety. So uh, the, the nice thing about the Stampeders' defensive secondary is all of them have played everywhere. Because yeah, they've had yeah, yeah. this season. So they've all they've all had a taste. This isn't going to be new for them. With Roberson going down, they've got a week to work in those spots. And they've got a week to become familiar. So, I mean, you know, this, this is, a, again, it's going to be a fantastic game. I'm really looking forward to it. And hopefully, if you're within earshot of this podcast, before kickoff, you load up your car with uh, some perishable food items or or non-perishable food items, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, load it up uh, with uh, apples and oranges. and, and uh, <laughs> yeah, Whatever perishable stuff you bring for the tailgate, bring the non-perishable stuff yeah. for the food bank, um, or just do cash. Uh, I, I know yeah. um, they say the, the food bank can turn $1 into $5 worth of buying power because of their deals with grocery stores and such. So, uh, you know, shell out, shell out a couple bucks, um, you know, for those that, uh, that need it, because, uh, especially coming out of COVID, if there's one thing we could have all used a little more of, it was empathy. Um, and now that we're kind of, we're not out of it yet, but now that we're slowly getting back to normal, um, you know, there are still some people that need to access those resources. So hopefully you can get out there and, uh, and donate what you can uh, to the Peer Later uh, Food Bank Tackle Hunger Drive. Some milestones can be achieved in this one. Rourke only needs seven completions to tie the single season record by a Canadian. 
<laughs> so that would probably happen maybe sometime on the first series or the first quarter right. anyway. <laughs> I certainly hope not. But yes, I think it is likely that he breaks that record. I think it, it's likely he gets eight completions. I don't want him to have more than that. I don't want him to have more than that, but he can have eight. I'm fine with him having eight. That, <laughs> he, that he's actually on pace to tie Henry's record, Burris, of uh, 481 completions in uh, 2015. And speaking of Burris, Bo needs six yards to pass him for the all-time Stampeder passing yards list. He couldn't get the 143 last week, but this week I'm pretty sure Bo can get six yards. <laughs> I, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. And quite frankly, I think I hope that that's the first play of the game. I hope that that's the first play. Well, I mean, the first offensive play for Bo. I hope that it's it's just right out of the gate. It's done. It's over with. So that that way you don't have to think about it anymore. Once it's done, it's done. And then now you can just kind of settle into the game and think about it. You come out and you throw two incompletions on the first series or you have a, a, a run and a five yard out and then you've got to think about it again because you didn't get the first down and now you're stewing on the sidelines. We all know Bo's going to get seven yards, but I'm hoping it's just immediate so that it's over with, it's done. The, the fans can celebrate the accomplishment before the game gets too heavy you know, like those things are going to come in to play. And I, in a game of this importance, it's my hope that it's just done very quickly. And hopefully it's the Kamar Jordan because, man, he's had a tough stretch over the last few weeks. Uh, well, and the, the, the funny thing is, is it's not even sandwiched in between two very bad games was a good game. And before those, the, you know, like if you look, he's kind of had a Jekyll and Hyde season. It's been up and down. You know, one week he's caught six of seven targets. The next week it's four of ten. Then the next week after that it's seven of eight. The next week after that it's three of nine. So it's been this kind of up and down performance, but it's been highlighted in that game against Winnipeg where he had that just crazy yeah, yeah bounce off his arm into an interception on the last play. And then on top of that, um, the game last week, where I think he only caught two of 10 targets. Um, and it was just, you know, guys fight it. And, and if you're going to fight it, if you're going to fight it and have a bad stretch, A, do it while the team's still winning like they did last week in spite of Kamar Jordan's bad day. And also do it in the regular season. Don't give me give me this guy right now and give me Kamar Jordan in the playoffs. That that's what I want. I want playoff Kamar Jordan, not whatever's happening right now. And I it's just a matter of fighting through it. Everybody in the organization's got his back publicly. They've all said we know he's the guy, we know he's going to do what he should do, and we know it's just a matter of time before he gets back to himself. So, I expect you'll probably see him get six or seven targets this week. And if the Lions decide that he's lost his ability to catch, that could really hurt them. Well, I want to talk about Calgary's backfield too, because even if Kadeem Carey, arguably the best back in the league, doesn't play this weekend, Calgary seems like they'll be fine. Uh, Diedrich Mills. I'm not sure what the argument, what's the argument? 
Oh, I'm not really arguing. I'm giving them a shout out. No, but but what's what's the argument against Kadeem Carey being the best back in the league right oh, now? Oh, that I don't even think that's arguably. <laughs> I don't even think that's arguably. I think that's just straight up truth. I think Kadeem Carey, when healthy, is absolutely far and away the best running back in the league right now, and I don't think it's close. Other guys have been able to put up a couple numbers, but. When you look at – what Kadeem hasn't had that some of the other top yardage guys have had is that 70-yard breakout run. Mm. You know, like his his long runs are still only about 24, 25 yards, and he's still leading the league, um, you know, in, in, a, in a yards per carry. He's leading the league in, in yards per game. He's, he's doing everything you want him to do. Um, Kadeem Carey, to me, is abs- – it's not even close – to who the best running back in the league is right now. Which is crazy to me because if he doesn't play the Stamps, uh, Diedrich Mills was one of the only, maybe the only offensive bright spot in that entire Ottawa-Calgary game. And he had 100 Correct. yards himself. Peyton Logan, can he can have magic with the ball as well. So they'll be okay. Just look at the depth chart. As for BC... I want to see what they're going to do on that boundary side of the ball now that, well, is there a boundary side of the ball with the hash marks now? Uh, but now that uh, Trey Roberson is out and you got Lucky Whitehead on that side and, of course, Dominic Rhymes, Brian Burnham's back. Yeah, this this will be a good they, game. They have weapons. They have weapons. It'll be a good um, game. It's it's going to be on the D-line. The D-line has to get to Rourke um, for the Stampeders. If Rourke has time to work, his receivers are good enough to get open. If he doesn't and he's on the run, he can run, but you can limit his effectiveness by chasing him, flushing him out of the pocket, keeping him. If you just allow him to sit back there and find, he's going to find. And I'd like to see BC's defense. Now, I know they have talent on that side of the ball, but they haven't had to be good. They've, they've had to be no. good in one game. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you could just... If you guys, uh, the pregame speech has got to be very interesting. Uh, defense, if you can just keep the Elks to under 47. If you could just keep them to under we'll 47. We'll take care of the rest. We'll take care of the rest. Uh, it's, just, it's, it's crazy. And it's if crazy. there's one thing I've learned from the radio business, uh, it's don't uh, hype up announcements too much. <laughs> I was pretty excited about what the stabs were going to unveil Wednesday, but it turned out uh, that it'll be about a 25-second uh, segment with Paul Bizonette racing the world's fastest cow. Hey, I love it as much as the next person, but man. <laughs> look, look, that that race, that race and that segment is going to last longer than Vince Young did as a rider, and they hype <laughs> that like crazy. Hey, look at that transition. The Elks, home to the Rough Riders. Chris Jones was a Rough Rider at that time, but the Riders are five-and-a-half-point favorites. Coming off the bye, (laughs) that bye week suddenly added a little bit of optimism to what has been happening in Regina. Uh, they've, They've lost three straight. (laughs) <laughs> two of those games against Toronto. So the East is uh, beating up on the Riders a little bit because Montreal also beat Saskatchewan. Uh, they haven't lost four straight in five years. But coming off the bye, Pete Robertson expected to return to the lineup. By the way, still leading the CFL in sacks. So he had a pretty good start uh, to the season before getting hurt in that infamous 
Ottawa game. I think we'll call that uh, the infamous Ottawa game. And Cody Fajardo, 4-0 in starts against Edmonton. The talk this week has been, is Cody elite? What do you think, man? No. Um, I, I mean... And I don't even know if that's an insult. The guy... No, he, he, it's not. He it's had not. one good season. What, what I am never going to expect is, and to me, the definition of an elite quarterback is a quarterback that can come out and be so dominant that there is no chance the other team has to win and be so dominant that they take over a game. Cody Fajardo, to me, still has not taken over a game. If you look back at his career, I can't think of the Fajardo game, right? right? The right. one where it was just unquestionably a matter of will that Cody Fajardo willed his team to win in despite everything around him. Now, again, is he a great quarterback? Yeah. Cody Fajardo is a great quarterback. Cody Fajardo would make every Eastern team better. Cody Fajardo would make Edmonton better. I don't know that Fajardo makes Calgary, BC, or Winnipeg better. And you can't be the fourth best quarterback in the league and be called elite. That's not how elite works in a nine-team league. You don't get to be elite if you're fourth out of nine. And maybe even fifth, because I think Jake Meyer makes makes Saskatchewan better. <laughs> Hey, there might be another mayor watch at the end of this season yeah. as well. Uh, well, no, he signed for two years. Okay, okay. So I think the, the question after this season might be a Mitchell watch. Hmm, interesting. In but. in Saskatchewan, when you talk quarterbacks, there's really only three or four guys to talk about. It's always the current guy, uh, the backup, and then they're being compared to Austin, Durant, and Lancaster. So. Yes. Uh, yes. when you, when you talk about a quarterback taking over the game, when I, when I think of Darian, I think of the 2013, uh, Western semi against, against BC took over that game and that fourth quarter, he was running all over the place. Cody really hasn't done that. No, that being said, the offensive line has taken a large step back since he first took over as a starter in 2019. He's not healthy himself. His receivers aren't healthy himself, and he's not good enough to make up for those shortcomings, and I'm not sure many quarterbacks are good enough to make uh, up for all of those. So then here's the question. Why is Fajardo playing if he's not 100%? You've got a two-game cushion on the playoff picture in the East. You've got a two-game cushion on the playoff picture in the East. Edmonton is not going to catch you. That's just flat out. Edmonton's not going to catch you. They're coming into Labor Day against Calgary. They're going to lose both of those games. They still have games against other good teams. They're done with BC, but they've got other good teams that still have yet to play them. So Edmonton's not going to catch you. And Montreal and Hamilton, you're both you're two games better than both of them. Why is Fajardo on the field if he's not 100%? Why is he not given a couple more weeks to get it done? Because you know that even if whatever it is, six, six and 10 
maybe good enough to get into the playoffs in the East. Six and ten. And so if you're six and ten as Saskatchewan, you need to win twice more down the stretch to get to six and ten, or I guess you'd have to be seven and nine. But why are you not sitting Fajardo against a garbage team like Edmonton? Give him the extra time, let him rest, let him get healthy. The idea that he's playing to me on a wonky knee in front of a questionable off or behind a questionable offensive line is crazy. Give the ball to whoever it did the the backup was from a couple weeks ago. You, you give him the ball and you make him turn around and hand it off over and over and over again. Maybe some play action, some short passes, get into field goal range because nine points is going to be enough. Like, it, it, like why, what are you worried about with Edmonton? Uh, if you can't beat Edmonton with your backup quarterback, you're in deeper, you're in deeper shit anyway. So what is starting Fajardo and getting a win against this garbage team going to do for you? You know what I'm looking at? uh, I'm thinking about their backups in Saskatchewan, Domagala, Mason Fine. They probably have the least CFL experience out of Calgary, Um, BC. I mean, uh, O'Connor has has played. Um, Prukop has played in Winnipeg. In Saskatchewan, <laughs> Fajardo's their best option. And the, the rest of their schedule, they have one Eastern opponent in Hamilton. They've got two against Calgary. They've got three against Winnipeg, two against BC still, and two against Edmonton. It's a pretty... <laughs> but if you want to win the Grey Cup, you have to beat the good team. So it's not really an excuse. Beat Edmonton. Yeah. Beat Edmonton and you get a crossover. That's yep. it. You know, so I, I get it. I get it. I just don't understand what the point is of having him out there this week mm. um, against a team that just, I mean, they're a disaster. The Elks haven't won at home in three years. <laughs> a thousand years. days. Over a thousand three, three days. Years. Do you know that three years ago they were, they, well, still, they have 397 home wins. They should have been the first of 400. <laughs> That's actually another reason why I'm really hyping this, because... They should have been the first to 400 a long time ago. Three years they've gone without a home win. I, I just, I don't understand if you were looking at, at the schedule this week, why you would think that, that an extra week's rest for Fajardo's knee isn't the right choice. I, I don't, I don't get it. The Elks can't win at home. What is the point of, of starting Fajardo and not letting him get healthy for BC, Winnipeg, Calgary, you know, what's he like? Inevitably, he's going to give up. He's going to get sacked. And if he gets sacked in the wrong direction, your season's over right now because his knee is damaged. Now, I don't know if another week would help it or not. I'm not a doctor. I think he's probably going to be hurt the rest of the year. So I just I don't understand what the point is. Why wouldn't you why wouldn't you give him the rest against a team that doesn't matter? So the last time these teams played uh, back in June, which feels almost like two years ago, uh, but Nick Arbuckle was the quarterback for the Elks and James Wilder was the running back for the Elks. And they were in the game. They were in it, but they they lost 26-16. 
but a different Elks team. They're they're cutting guys left and right. Their injury list is it is a mile long. But that week, Saskatchewan ran all over Edmonton. Jamal Morrow had over seven yards a carry. Uh, Frankie Hickson had over six yards a carry. You have and they're to, not better. Edmonton's not better. No, they're not. Not since June. No, no. So just turn around, turn around, hand off the ball, and and beat them. Beat them with field position. Beat them with short, tiny little passes that no, that every quarterback can make. I, there I just, is a feeling among CFL fans that this could be a, a surprise game where Edmonton steals a win. Edmonton wins this game, and Ryder fans can shut it down. Just <laughs> shut it down. The entire franchise just blows. Fold. <laughs> just, just say, you know what, for right now, given this, clearly we are done for the season. So we are forfeiting the remainder of our games, and we are wishing the CFL best. We will revamp. We will see you again in 2023. And we will make a major announcement about an old hockey player racing somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Just shut it down. If you can't beat Edmonton right now, if you can't beat Edmonton right now, shut it down. You, you, you're like, you're, you're Ottawa. You are the Ottawa of the, of the West. You've already, you're already responsible for 40% of the East division's wins. 40% 40% of their wins have come against Saskatchewan's. You drop one to the Elks, and this is among the worst seasons of all time. And that's saying something for a Rough Rider franchise that has put together some two-win seasons. Just call it. Just be done. Walk away. Start fresh. It is the Wall of Honor game in Edmonton. Jim Germany, Joe Holloman, Ed Jones will be added to the Wall of Honor uh, for the green and gold. Hey, I'll be at the stadium. Um, I'll be crushing some woodshed burgers before the game. It's my dad's birthday, so uh, hey. we'll be we'll be enjoying that on Saturday. But I've walked into Commonwealth Stadium, and for that matter, walked into McMahon Stadium so many times as a glutton for punishment and also just a glutton wearing green and white and walked out with my tail between my legs. So nothing would surprise me Saturday night in Edmonton. No, I look, it could happen. It could happen. <laughs> and I'm going to get home from the Calgary game and turn it on and see what's going on uh, in up in, in Edmonton uh, because there's nothing I like more than watching the the riders suck and the elks and the elks lose. So I mean, you know, like a one nothing game that's just all punts and rouges. I'm fine with that. Give me give me that <laughs> one nothing garbage garbage game where it's just fumbles and rouges. Um, that's what I'm here for uh, between these two teams. But yeah, I, I oof, if if the riders lose this week, if the riders lose this week, I will never hear it. I will never hear any from a rider fan again. <laughs> Uh, you know, like I just, you can't lose to Edmonton right now. It's, it would, it would be a devastating blow 
to that province's future. I love not the franchise, but the entire province. The whole province. The whole province. There was a Dan Clark sighting at practice for the Riders. Uh, No brace, no boot. So he's not going to be on the field this week. But Logan Bandy was still taking uh, the snaps at center. And uh, Natai Rogers has not practiced this week, and uh, some people in Saskatchewan will say that might be addition by subtraction at uh, right tackle for <laughs> for the Rough Riders. We'll see what happens in Edmonton. All Back right, you're always the most popular guys until they get on the field. <laughs> Fantasy lineup now. CFL Podcast Fantasy League. Last week, I beat Daltz of Rouge Radio. Ty lost to Safamod of Piffles. He's on bye this week. Uh, now, I've got Zach from Bonfire Sports. You've got the Argos Fancast. So, you've got Calgary East. Your strategy up until this point has been pick 100% Stampeders, unless, of course, they're on bye. Yes. Same strategy this week or what? Cost me two wins. Look, look, Travis, I don't want to spoil this. I don't want to spoil this. Are, are we going? Are we going position by position here to who we got? Hey, let's do that. Let's do that. Okay, Kay. let's go position by position because this might surprise some people with what I chose to do this week against the Fancast. Okay, my quarterback is Nathan Rourke. Ooh, that's going to be a tough one for you against Calgary's defense. I think that's going to be. I think that's going to be tough. I think you might lose some points there. Who's um, yours? I, on the other hand. I took a look at all the statistics for the season. I did some in-depth research this week. I've decided to go with Bo Levi Mitchell against BC. Hey, he almost costs half as much as Nathan Rourke. He's only $7,400. That is a value play. He is the seventh most expensive quarterback. Wow. That's a value play. against a, Again, a, a, I mean, that defense allowed Edmonton 14 points. So what are they going to do to Calgary? I think I think the, I think we might see uh, some good some good offensive numbers here from Bo Levi Mitchell. Okay, now, my uh, RB one is Diedrich Mills. Now you and I are the same here. You and I are the same. Now Diedrich Mills again, another value play. He's only four thousand dollars, so he's not he's not costing you what the the regular running backs are costing. He's not costing you starter money. And if Kadeem Carey doesn't play, he's going to be the starting back. You saw what he was able to do last week. He ran through people, not around them, not over them. He was like, I don't know if you did. Have you watched The Boys? Oh, the show? Yes. Not all of it. I've seen some. Okay, but you've seen season one? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that first sequence where we see the guy just – explode the man's girlfriend on the street and there's just this blood mist behind him and then he turns around and goes i don't have time and takes off again that's Diedrich mills he runs through human beings it will just be a blood mist and an orange helmet on the ground after Diedrich mills explodes his way through some people this week um very excited to see what he's got and amazing that that I I agree. I think Calgary's got three elite running backs right now. All three of them could be starting across the league. My um, RB two, oh so good. Malik Irons, just because he's twenty five hundred bucks, he had a touchdown last week for Edmonton. We'll see what happens. Your RB two. 
Not a bad thing for you to do as a Saskatchewan fan headed into Commonwealth. Hedge my bet. Because if he does score, you can go, well, it's not so bad. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's a bonus to him yeah. getting a touchdown. Yay. Now, I looked over the entire running back landscape, and I decided to also go with a value play. I chose Peyton Logan of the Calgary Stampeders. Now, Peyton Logan... <laughs> As an RB2, he is a little more expensive than Mills at 5,200, but you get those sweet, sweet return yards. And I think it's just a matter of time until he breaks one and takes it to the house. He already has one return touchdown on the season so far. He's averaging about 10 yards of punt return and about 25 yards of kick return. Um, and so you get those yards on top of on top of what he's able to do as a running back. He is the change of pace back for the Stampeders. He's shiftier. If they get him into space, he's a, he's a weapon. Uh, so look for some of those passes out of the backfield as well. Peyton Logan, a good value play if you're looking for a mid-level running back. My wide receiver one, lucky whitehead. So I have uh, teamed him up with Nathan Rourke. And uh, Rourke and Whitehead, both in my lineup. Not a bad choice. Lucky Whitehead, a great receiver. Now, I went and, again, did some research. I've chosen Reggie Bagleton of the Calgary Stampeders. When I've already got two elite, two running backs that are of value, I've got a very cheap Bo Levi Mitchell at quarterback. That allows me to spend some money on wide receiver one. So in my wide receiver one spot, I went with Bagleton. He cost $89.60 this week but I think it's time for him to kind of have this breakout. They've been finding him more and more and more in recent weeks. So look for Bagleton to find the end zone at least once this week. Hedging my bets again for my second receiver, Kai Loxley. Uh, hey, maybe he takes snaps at quarterback. quarterback. I don't know. Might be quarterback. Who knows? <laughs> so he I threw him in my line. He also plays safety. He might get an interception. That's uh, true. You know? You get some interception points. You can get some some quarterback passing points. You can get some, uh, some running back passes. catches. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything about Kyle Oxley. Uh, he's. You remember that old promo where Mister Perfect would lean back and throw the football from one goal line to the other, and then he'd run underneath and catch it himself. That's Kyle Oxley. I, so I still love the uh, ten pin bowling. Turns around. The thumbs as soon as it's the strike. Yeah. And I always okay. do. Every time I have a piece of gum, I got to spit and slap it like Mr. Proof. You got to slap it out. You can't not slap it out. And then you got to remind yourself that you're absolutely perfect. There is nothing better than spitting out gum and slamming it. Just and like that full slap contact. Oh, you know when you got it. Throw, and you're like, yes, absolutely perfect. <laughs> okay, so... Now, having spent some money on Reggie Bagleton, I needed to skimp a little bit. So I needed to find a value receiver. So for that value, I went to Stampeders receiver Richie Sindani. <laughs> Sindani had a good game a couple of weeks ago, had 117 yards. He wasn't targeted much last week. If the ball's not going to get to Bagleton and Kamar Jordan's having a rough day, Richie Sindani will be the guy that picks up the slack and gets himself some yards. So for a... a a nice value play, Richie Sindani, just $3,400. Okay, my uh, $2,500 special in my flex is Keandre Smith, a 22-year-old receiver for the Hamilton Tiger Cats with Braylon Addison's injury. There's going to be some targets going somewhere, probably Dunbar, probably Tim White. 
but Keandre Smith got into the game last week. He had four catches for 59 yards. Maybe he'll, uh, for 2500 bucks. if he does that again, I'll be happy. Who's your flex? I went off script here, Travis. I'm not going to lie. I went off script, and I said, you know what I need? I need a guy that's getting a ton of points for the amount of value he's got because I still want to pick up a decent defense. So in order to go flex, I went with the $6,100 Calgary Stampeders receiver Malik Henry. (laughs) Now, Malik Henry has been the guy for the Stampeders this season. He At one point, he was leading the league in yards, um, even though he had played fewer games than, than other guys. Is, and uh, I think uh, Henry's been a, a sure-handed target for Bo Mitchell, and that, that um, chemistry is only continuing to increase. So when Reggie Bagleton is covered, it's going to go to Malik Henry, and Malik Henry at $6,100 is very good value for the price. Hey, just like Rourke has torched the Elks, uh, Malik Henry had 323 yards over two games against yeah. the Elks. So uh, if he could do that against the Lions, you're laughing. Uh, exactly. <laughs> my defense, uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who knows who Montreal is going to throw out there. <laughs> so 3800 bucks. that's uh, my defense this week. 597 bucks left over. I wanted to make sure that I had a couple dollars in my pocket, you know, a little bit of walking around money when I was done my fantasy lineup. So what I've done this week is I've taken – the Calgary Stampeders defense against BC, just $3,700, which leaves me with over $1,000 in the bank, I might add. So I've been able to find great value plays at every position, statistically justifiable plays for this entire week. Uh, I don't know that there will be a better scoring lineup than we're going to see from this team this weekend. Um, and so, and still with a thousand dollars left over, which I think, frankly, frankly, if the CF Pod League was doing this right, that should count. I think you should get at points for every dollar that you have left, whether that you know, they, like for That's every hundred dollars you have left, you get an extra five bonus or extra couple bonus points. I think that should be worth something as well, um, because uh, I've been able to find a spectacular lineup and still have a thousand dollars left. Um, so really, I mean, you know, like I, I was trying my best to be like, I'm going to be on Travis's show. I need to have a legitimate lineup this week. I can't just go with the all Stampeder shtick. And then lo and behold, Travis, when I put it all together, there wasn't a better lineup than all Stampeders. So Mitchell, Logan Mills, Henry Bagleton, Sindani Stampeders defense, I just don't know how it gets better than that. And I'm four and four. I'm four and four. I'm four and two when I've done this so far, by the way. I've won. I've won far more often than I've lost utilizing this strategy. And it's not just because I somehow end up against the second worst team every week. That's not why, Travis. (laughs) It's because (laughs) Stampeders are winners 
and they they channel that faith into a victory no matter who I'm going up against. This episode of To It Out is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you switch providers, nothing changes about the delivery of these utilities to your home or business. And if you have an existing contract, Probably find out what the terms are before leaving, but if you don't, then it's even easier to sign up for Park Power. You, as the consumer, have the choice of who to pay your bills to. Why not choose your friendly local utilities provider? Learn more at parkpower.ca. As far as Pick'em goes, I'm Bombers, Cats, Lions, Riders. Who are your four winners this week? Uh, Bombers, Argos, Stampeders. Riders. Saturday. (laughs) That was, you're laboring after saying riders. That hurt. Look, I, I, look, I want to be right more than I want them to lose. Um, Which is the same reason why I'm picking the bombers. Like uh, on my three down spread article that came out, I, I picked the bombers to cover and win by 11, but nothing would make me happier than uh, watching them lose. Ryan Ballantyne of Horseman Radio, a part of the uh, Canadian Football Podcast Network. Man, I uh, who's who's next in the basement? Can you reveal that? Uh, we just had uh, a couple player guests. So recently, so far this season, we've had Jameer Thurman, Cody Grace, and Derek Dennis. Um, so Double uh, D is I, the guy. Like you always got to listen to that show. The best. The absolute best. He's done our show five times, and I would probably put those five shows in our top 20 all time. And we've done, like, I've been doing this show since 2008. Yeah, Derek Dennis yeah. is always phenomenal. Um, anytime you can have him on, it's a blessing uh, to, a, to a podcast. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure who's next. We've got a couple guys that we've been talking to here and there. Um, we've got a couple coaches that we've talked about coming on the show between now and the end of the season. So hopefully we can get that arranged. Um, you know, we try and uh, we try and find these gaps where there's long time, but we're going to be recording this week's episode tomorrow night. Uh, it's going to be just Barry, Steph and myself, uh, a hostful podcast as the Nerdist and, uh, and Andrew uh, Hoskins at Turf, M- Turf District. District. <laughs> awesome. I had to, I got halfway through the show and then I forgot what it was called. Um, but yeah, I, we're uh, we're going to have more player guests between now and the end of the year. We've got a couple guys that we're out to um, and uh, just looking to lock down dates. We want to make sure that uh, that they've got the time and, and it's not going to cost them any kind of prep uh, towards games. But with a Saturday, Saturday game this week and uh, them not playing until Saturday next week, we're likely going to get somebody um, for next week. Just don't know who it is yet. Just need somebody to say yes. Brazilian Thai will be back on Monday. You can rate, review, and subscribe to to and out (laughs) on your favorite podcatcher. We'll talk to you after the weekend. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.